68 teams started the tournament, only the best have survived. Whether you're riding with one seeds Baylor or Gonzaga, or you're hoping for the Cinderella story in Oregon State, it has been a fantastic March Madness thus far. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. Horwat, how you doing today, buddy? It's a morning. It's a morning recording, so I probably sound. I sound great. I sound ready for this. You sound fantastic. Don't 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 sell <laughs> yourself short. You sound great, Horwat. Thank you. And it's a it's a morning where I'm not having coffee because I was too lazy to clean my uh, my French press and to grind more coffee so i'm sitting here with a with an energy drink that i don't know i'm not gonna name names no free ads that's what i like to see that's what i like to see and that energy drink is a popular energy drink so you know hit us up if you want us to start name dropping the energy (laughs) of the tip of the iceberg podcast but we are back with an episode unfortunately we did miss last thursday's episode apologies for that but we are back here this week And luckily for us, the Penguins have been playing extremely well since we last discussed this team back last Monday was the last time we talked about it. So it's going to be a fun episode where we get to talk about only wins. And then we'll talk a little bit about the injury update because the Penguins do have a lot of injuries, but there's finally starting to be some movement in the positive direction for the Pens as far as that goes. And then we're going to also have both a shout outs and call out segment and our weekly Pens poll since we list missed last thursday's episode so it's gonna be a jam-packed episode but let's start it off with talking about the games that they've played since we last discussed the penguins went out and swept the buffalo sabers with a score of five to two on wednesday and four to nothing on thursday and they followed it up with a massive win on saturday night against the new york islanders with a six to three win Horat, let's start with the games against the sabers and just start off by saying overall thoughts on what you saw on wednesday and thursday in that back-to-back uh, two important wins, and especially with the injuries that happened. I think I said it on the last recording that, yeah, you're not going to win every game against Buffalo, probably, statistically. Um, but these two, given the injuries we have and the standing of the uh, division right now, we need those two wins. We need to actually not lose. Uh, and we didn't. And we looked damn good doing it both times, which is the way it should. Um 
it felt like an even matchup with the amount of injuries we had against Buffalo. So the fact that we came out on top was was really good. I mean, it was the yeah, it was the Wednesday night game where Capitan got hurt um, in the strangest way possible. Uh, first of all, he looks like an old man. He looks like a very old man these days with that uh, uh, facial hair, I guess we could call it. That's the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> so he looks like a really old man. He looks like a really worn down old man. And then him just laying in the runway. I think we should just take a second. <laughs> him just laying in the runway was, I, you didn't want to laugh at it because you knew he was hurt. But the fact that he mm-hmm. came back from that little uh, nap, yeah, I I was <laughs> dying at it. I was laughing really hard. I enjoyed it. And then he ended up actually being hurt, so I felt a little bad. But, um. That may have been my favorite part of that game. Also because it was a Buffalo game, so it couldn't be that fun. Uh, and shout yeah. out to Dustin Tokarski, former oh. uh, former Wilkes-Barre, Penguin, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguin from literally last season. Yeah. Just playing in his first games in quite a few years in the NHL. Um, found his way to the Buffalo Sabres, and, you know, he played both games. I'll give him that. He played every minute of both games. <laughs> A couple things here on the Kapanen thing. That is the most memeable moment yeah. of the 2021 season for the Pittsburgh Penguins so far. And again, you don't like to laugh at it, especially now that he's week to week with a lower body injury. But the fact that that was caught on camera was uh, was, was a pretty funny, funny experience. But as far as the Buffalo Sabres are concerned, at the point of this recording, they've now lost 17 straight games. The NHL record is 30 straight games, which to me, when I saw that, I was like, that is unfathomable. And then I was like, wait, that's only 13 more games for the Buffalo Sabres, a team in which, yeah, they came close to beating the Bruins on Saturday, but did anybody actually think they were going to pull that off? No. So who knows if this team is going to win again this season, to be completely honest. You would have to imagine they're going to, but... For the Penguins to be able to go in and not just win these games because they're supposed to win these games, but win these games by a combined score of 9-2, to two, win these games convincingly, win these games with help from scoring from everybody. I mean, defensemen, bottom six, bottom nine, as we were calling them on last Monday's episode, and the top line continuing to do what they've been doing over this last stretch has been amazing. So it was good to see the Penguins be able to not play down to their opponent, which is something that has plagued all Pittsburgh sports teams. I mean, I don't know if you can count the Pirates playing down to anybody, but has plagued the Steelers and the Penguins at least. So it was nice to see the Penguins go out and beat the worst team in the division as if they were beating the worst team in the division. Yeah, so the way, the the losing slash winless streak is a very confusing stat in the NHL because you count ties... Uh, losses and overtime losses all differently in all different eras of hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what it is worth, so you fa- so you said 30 games, which was the 1980-81 Winnipeg Jets. I'm just fact-throwing out yes. here everywhere. Yeah, 30 games, but it included seven ties. <laughs> so there's Listen, that. It, I don't know. I, don't, I forget it, how points were counted with ties in the 80s, um, but that's still bad because the longest winless streak, I think like post-tie era is the Penguins. Mm-hmm. We have the longest winning and losing streak. Um, yeah. The Penguins, 18 games in 
Everyone remembers Ooh. that team. That was the X Generation era team. The Alexei Morozov Pittsburgh Penguins. The young Flurry, the old Lemieux, uh, young Orpic. I'm trying to remember. Rico Fado was on that team, yep. wasn't he? Joseph Melikar. Uh, oh, what? What a bunch of names. What a collection of names that is. I believe that was the year Dick Tarstrom led the team in points. Woo! <laughs> um, yeah, so Eddie O was the, yeah, Eddie O was the uh, coach. <laughs> yeah, Dick Tarstrom, 52 points. Ryan Malone <laughs> led the team in goals with 22, though. A Bugsy. There you go. But, yeah. So, yeah, they're on a cold, cold, ice cold streak, and you feel bad for that team right at what point do you start feeling actually bad for that team especially that city one of the best sports town in america and oh my god they have the bills anymore and even then they for a little while they didn't have them and it was a depressing area one of the consistents every nhl playoffs is the ratings somehow like the leading team so i was like whoever's playing still number two is always buffalo somehow Mm -hmm. Uh, they are who I feel worse for. I mean, yeah, the players, they kind of have to endure it, but um, I feel bad for the, the fans, man, because they want to enjoy that team. They want to be fans of that team. Mm-hmm. But they can't because it's not just the team. It is the organization as a whole. Yeah, I'm not sure how bad I feel for the team themselves because a big a big issue is the environment and the culture in that locker room, and a portion of that is due to the players, and it, it's yeah. hard. We understand it's hard when you don't have the – support of a good ownership group and the Pagulas, although they have been able to turn the bills around in the last couple of seasons, they have not done anything good for the Buffalo Sabres since they took over about a decade ago. So it is tough there. And you do feel bad for the fan base, especially I want to give a quick shout out to the guys at straight up Sabres who cover them. Those guys, I mean, they're warriors. They're, they're pushing through it, being able to talk about these, get this team, twice a week and haven't had a win since i mean at least in the calendar month of march going back into february so i mean shout out to them as well but i'm not sure how bad i feel for the sabers team themselves especially when they employ a guy like rasmus ristolainen who is just a dirtbag altogether yeah uh, looks like a clown plays in a clown organization that one's appropriate i i want to feel bad for hall taylor hall but i kind of don't because he had the decision to not go there and he did honestly i think no offense to Taylor Hall. I mean, I'll feel bad for you if I would feel worse if it was a if he actually was going to a good team. It was just the fact that Taylor Hall said, "I want to go to a winning team," and he decided to go with Buffalo for a year. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't know where that came from unless he was playing the odds just for a one year deal and hoping money gets better next year. Mm-hmm. Well, you're spending a lot of it again this year. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel bad for like the goalies in that situation because they're the ones that kind of get the most abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to think. And Darlene, is Darlene still good? That was my question. Rasmus Darlene has been good for a long time, and I mentioned the straight up Sabers guys. They talked a lot about insulation for a young defenseman, and we know with Chris Letang how important that was early in his career with Sergei Gonchar, and even with Brooks Orpic once Gonch left. And Darlene just hasn't had anybody there. I, I feel more sympathy for Jack Eichel oh, yeah. because the weight of the world was put down on his shoulders going to Buffalo, and it doesn't seem like anybody's come up to help. I mean, <laughs> Jeff Skinner is just a disaster up there. Sam Reinhardt has come around and become a very 
very good NHLer, but unfortunately he might be traded away here in the next two weeks. Same with Victor Olofsson. I mean, they got Eric Stahl this year, which was a nice piece that tried to help the culture, but now he's in Montreal. We saw that trade happen. And, you know, I don't want to keep talking about the Buffalo too much, but it, it is just a tragedy yeah. that such a good sports town, such a good hockey town is fed such horse crap when it comes to their team. And and it's kind of always been around. I mean, mm-hmm. you still can't bring up foot in the crease. Like, it's... <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's brutal for them, and I do feel bad for them overall. I mean, the team that employed Dominic Hasek, uh, the French connection, like, they have such a great history there, too, that um, it's depressing there's nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, friend of the show, Doug Bodger, yeah. played for the Buffalo Sabres for a while. So you just hope that they start to turn it around. I'm not sure that's going to happen with the Pagoulas in charge, but I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. But let's let's jump into talking a little bit about the Penguins during that series. I think one of the biggest storylines there was redeem Zahorna, redeem the dream. <laughs> the monster Big Z gets his first NHL goal on his first NHL shot in his first NHL game. The list of players for the Penguins that have done that is a pretty good collective list of names. I mean, of course, the big one that comes to mind is Mario Lemieux. More recently, you also think Jake Gensel has done that. Nobody's saying that Big Z is on the track for either of those two, but it was nice to see him connect in his first game, in the first period as well. Yeah, it felt really good. I mean, it's it was his, it was a big shot too. Big guy, big mm-hmm. shot. Uh, first goal, first shot, wearing number 67. Um, I tweeted, I, I did, I tweeted out the Jim Matheson tweet whenever I saw, and I got some good responses from it. So I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it's, it was a great moment for him. I mean, I think everyone was riding him to get in the lineup whenever he got called up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much I was. I was kind of more a little hesitant because I mean, shit, I've seen so many guys get called up this year and not do anything. Right. I mean, look at his locker that he has right now in the Penn's locker room. It's literally a storage shelf from every 55-year-old dad's garage. That's well, what that, his locker is. That thing is. looked like it was bought from Target. I mean... It did. The thing with that is, though, um, that's just COVID protocol because I think mm-hmm. all of the locker rooms are spaced out. Like, I think even the, and I think even the NHL regulars have weird lockers like that. Um, if you go back and watch some of the like clips and recordings from within the locker room this year, you can kind of tell... I think hmm. in Crosby's thousandth game video, you I think it's like Chad Ruedel's locker is like behind him, like in from the front, but it's like behind. Yeah, it's yeah. so I think everyone's locker is kind of weird this year. Um, so I, but yeah, the fact they decided to still wheel that in, they could. I figured you couldn't like just swap out the nameplate somewhere and set it up like you did because the yellow helmet was up there too. Yeah. It was set up for the next but, game, mm-hmm. um, or actually not the next. Yeah, the next game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, still, cool moment. Honestly, I, hopefully he's got a good little uh, personality about it and can just joke about it because that was funny. And you don't want mm-hmm. it to be like, oh, it's a shit situation. You you only got the – no, you just hope he can laugh at it and say, you know, who cares? I scored in the NHL. Who needs the picture, really? Listen, if you need to know how happy he was, go back and look at the goal. Look at the yeah. celebration Everyone by Redeem Zahorna. His face – I mean, the fact that he was six, he's six foot five and he felt the need to jump into the arms of Anthony Angelo was amazing. So it, it was just a nice moment and nice to see Redeem Zahorna get on the scoreboard. I mean, the Pens are now 2-0 with Zahorna in the lineup yeah. 
career-wise. So maybe something that leads on, and, and who knows, the Penguins are, are in desperate need of bottom six, at least fourth-line guys when all healthy. Maybe Redeem Zahorna can earn himself a spot here in the next couple of games or couple of weeks. We'll have to see. But as far as the rest of the team goes, that first line for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Buffalo series, I mean, since Malkin's injury has been extremely, extremely productive. Sidney Crosby alone had five points in the two games against Buffalo. He followed that up with a two-point game against the Islanders. So that first line is clicking on all cylinders right now and is helping carry this team. Mm -hmm. But the big thing was there was actually secondary scoring. We talked last Monday about the fact that in the New Jersey series, the only people that were really scoring was the first line. They accounted for five of the six or six of the seven goals in that series. But then you look at the Buffalo games. You look at the Islanders games. Secondary scoring is huge for the Penguins in these last weeks. So what have you thought about the first line? And then after that, I mean, what else did you think about the secondary scoring being able to kind of wake up this week? Uh, So the first line has looked phenomenal as usual. Um, I mean, it wasn't the first line we were all expecting going into the season. Again, I mean, we were having genuine questions if uh, Jake Gensel should keep playing with Evgeny Malkin should Jason Zucker be up there in Gensel's spot uh, and then we also all thought Rust was just going to be stapled to Malkin all year that hasn't worked out now Kapanen was supposed to be up there is with Malkin so yeah the first line is not exactly what we were expecting but at the same time yeah it makes total sense and they work great together obviously and they're working phenomenally now because Brian Rust is probably one of the quietest goal scorers in this league um is he an elite talent? I believe so at this point, yeah. Then there's Jake Gensel, proven commodity. Still young, but still a proven commodity, and doing his thing. Sidney Crosby, uh, one of the best players in the game. So the, the line works out perfectly with each of their styles. I mean, I forget who said it. I I know someone always mentioned why uh, Jake Gensel plays so well with Crosby because it's a bitch to play with Crosby. It is. It's hard because he plays such a certain way. Um, but Jake Gensel is a coach's son, so he's used to getting coached with everything, and that's what Crosby does. He will coach you in the middle of the game to do certain things, and Gensel's able to handle that. You know, you, he's got the right mentality for it, so that is a perfect pairing. And then as for our bottom nine, uh, because pretty much anything after the top line is secondary scoring, yeah, that's a it somehow, some way looks good. I drew it out in my head one day, like uh, wrote all the names down. I think it was before the second Buffalo game and just kind of marked like where I would be where I would normally put them in the lineup. And I think there was maybe Jared McCann who could maybe crack a second line. <laughs> but you know, he's a second, third line guy whenever this team is fully healthy. So everyone else was either on like the third, fourth, or not in the lineup. So mm-hmm. it was brutal. But hey, we're, we got it done somehow and those guys are getting it done. Evan Rodriguez looks much more manageable than I thought going into the season. Um, Frederick Goudreau is probably going to usurp that fourth-line center role. Boy, do I hope. <laughs> um, and then just you know, Zach Aston-Reese doing his thing. I mean, he's the only one on that Bluger, Aston-Reese, and Tanev line left right now. Mm-hmm. Like we said, McCann looks phenomenal. Oh, I can't remember anyone's name. This is the issue with having these kind of players, by the way. Don't remember anyone's We've names. used so many players this season that it is sometimes hard to keep track of. But I mean, we're going to get into the status of the injury update a little bit later. But if you look at the injury list right now, 
it is our entire second line plus two thirds of our third line. So the fact that we are just plugging guys in and still being able to win games now, yes, granted, we did play the Buffalo Sabres twice this week. And granted, we only played New Jersey three times and got three of six possible points. But you see the way they played against the Islanders, a team that was looked at as one of the hottest teams in the league right now. They played extremely well. Yes, it's a home game, which is where the Penguins have played extremely well this season. And yes, they have relied a lot on their goaltending because it has been one of the best goaltending tandems mm -hmm. in the league in March. But I think this team is showing that they're not that many pieces away from being able to be a good playoff team and being able to be a playoff lock going into the last quarter of the season. And with the trade deadline coming up in two weeks, it's important for these players to show that they should stay in the lineup. Uh, a guy like Evan Rodriguez, who, but prior to this little run that he's had of, of pretty good play for the Penguins, he was looked at as probably a guy that's going to be a healthy scratch if the Penguins can go out and get somebody at the deadline to play in the bottom six. But now he's playing in a way that maybe Hexall and Burke don't have to find a guy to replace him. Uh, or maybe even a guy like Anthony Angelo, who has been pretty impressive. Freddie Gaudreau has only played five games this year, and he's looked pretty good and kind of like a breath of fresh air in the bottom six for a guy that just shoots the puck the second he passes the blue line. So you never know. It is, again, sample size. It's only been a week, and highs and lows of a season can change in, in the blink of an eye. But it's nice to see the Penguins get some support for that first line when it comes to the scoreboard. Yeah, it really is. It's The Penguins have used 33 players this year so far. Um that's that's crazy and it, it, it's weird to kind of look at that and think of it as crazy as it is but 33 players you think of the fact that only 18 skaters are dressed per game which means you've had at least 15 guys that have missed games due to injury or covid list so that's almost a whole lineup worth of guys here's a little perspective last season uh we used 36 that was in 69 games and open borders where trades were happening because we started last season with Branson. So think of that. Yeah. Um, but the fact that this season we have not made a single trade, air quotes around single trade, um, we haven't made a – no, yeah, we just signed Yannick Weber. We haven't made a real – Yeah, we have not paid yeah, – since... we have not made any impactful trades to our professional team. Yeah, since puck drop opening night, we have not made any big trades. Uh, and we've used 33 players. It's a shortened season, mind you. So 33 is a lot, considering we're just a little over halfway through a shortened season. Yeah, last season was short too, but we got 69 games in, which is more than we're getting in uh, this year. So mm -hmm. we're real close to hitting 36, especially if trades happen. So who knows what happens there? I mean, if we reach that number, we'll have to see, but... For now, the fact that the bottom nine is able to really step it up—I mean, even with the even with a bunch of no names—the old Mark Donk meme is back and more known than ever. It's more than just a Dom decision. I think he's the one that made it up. Mm. It's more than just him saying it. Now everyone's kind of on board with it. Everyone understands what we're talking about because we're throwing out guys like Redeem Sahorna, Anthony Angelo. I mean, Frederick Goudreau used to be a semi-NHL regular with Nashville, but still. We have guys. That's all it is. We yeah. have Sidney Crosby and his band of merry men on the forward <laughs> core, at least. Our, de our defense is back and running. 
mm-hmm. and looking better than normal. So that's we're coming back, and then there's the goaltenders, who yeah. again have turned it around, and they've been turned around. They're all, you know, all hands on deck with this team now. Just a few names of players that have played an NHL game for the Penguins this year that you might forgot. Oh, P.O. Joseph, of course, people remember a little bit more than usual, but yeah, he has been in Wilkes-Barre now for about two, three weeks because the Penguins' defense is healthy. Yeah. Josh Curie played, I believe, one or two games. One. Mark Friedman was a waiver pickup. That was basically the only move that Hextall and Burke have made so far is picking up Mark Friedman. And then also, like you mentioned him earlier, Yannick Weber. I think he played a couple of games earlier in the season yep. when the Penguins were having defensive injury issues. So Yusa Rikula has also played a pair of games. Yeah, yeah, and Yusa Rikula is still technically on the injured list, I believe. Is he's not on the the IL? I think he's on the taxi squad now, but I think it still mentions him as an injured player. So. Free Yuso Rikula, man. I love him, but if he he's going to have a better chance to play anywhere but here. But let's jump into the Islanders game really quickly before we keep talking about overall with the, this team. Going into that game, I had no idea what to expect. We had played three weirdish games against the Devils where we were playing well but not getting results, and we lost two of three even though we got three of six points. We swept the Sabres in convincing fashion, but they're the Buffalo Sabres who, as we already talked ad nauseum about them being on one of the historic bad runs in NHL history. So now you're going up against an Islanders team that is, at the time, tied for first place in the East Division with the Washington Capitals, four points ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We had had success against them this year. Cal Clutterbuck said as much prior to the game, saying that they've had our number this year. We were 4-2 and two against them, and all of a sudden, here we are midway through the game, and it's a 5 nothing game, and the Penguins are ahead. Freddie Gaudreau has a goal. Evan Rodriguez has a goal. Crosby scored on the power play. The Penguins' special teams this past week has been phenomenal. So, at that point, you look at this and say, did all the injured players come back? No. This team just decided that Mark Donk is going to be an yeah. NHL All-Star, as you to, to quote you, Mark Donk is going to be an NHL All-Star. But what, what did you think about this probably best or, or most important game of the season? I know we keep saying that, but they keep pulling out these massive victories. Um, I'll just go back to what I literally just said. I mean, what you were saying, we didn't know what to expect going in. You named all those stats, how we play against the Islanders. You did all that without even mentioning just how injured we were. Mm-hmm. Without mentioning just our bottom nine is a bunch of fourth liners or guys that really shouldn't be in the lineup. So, yeah, I was shocked seeing us go up 2 nothing, one nothing. I was like, all right, cool. It's a good start because it's the Islanders, and they play more defensively, and getting the first goal is huge in a game like that. Then we got the first two. Okay. Then we got the first five. I don't know what the hell was happening. I did get a little worried whenever I saw five go in, though, um, because last time the Penguins were up 5 nothing on a team. We won the game, yes. Uh, but then we immediately went on a skid that saw us not get a single win in California. So You're talking about the Toronto game in yep. 2020. I was immediately yeah. hoping for some sort of quick change. Like, can I get an Islander, not one goal, but can we pick up a six to make it look better? And then, or maybe they do something. Because then they scored three straight, and I was like, oh, this is exactly how it went. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how it went. But luckily, uh, <laughs> Brian Russ is able to net, net an empty netter, and... Hopefully we don't go winless in however many games now. So 
I think we're okay though, because I don't know. It's just strange. I didn't see us. I didn't expect that kind of game from us. Even if we did give up three, um, just the fact we were able to go up five nothing on a team like that with our team, mm-hmm. I was damn impressed. It's worried, but impressed. It it was a huge game for the Penguins, yeah. and you think back to prior to this season how much we had struggled against the Islanders for the past two two and a half calendar years and the fact that now we've taken five of seven from them on the season and our game against them on I believe it's Monday night is the next game will be the last time we play the Islanders all season so it's nice to get success against a team that has plagued our fortunes for the past two years and hopefully they finish it off strong on Monday but in this game to be able to go up five to nothing against that team more importantly, the Penguins' power play to be able to go two for four and really be dangerous without a couple of their big power play guns. And then the penalty kill as well. Uh, the penalty kill was four for four on Saturday night. It, it was massive. And the fact is, that penalty kill has been great for the past three games since we last recorded. The penalty kill has not given up a goal. He, they didn't give up a goal against Buffalo, who actually does have yeah. a pretty good power play. Always has in the past couple of seasons have a pretty good power play. And then the New York Islanders, they shut all of them down even more impressive because they didn't have Brandon Tanev or Teddy Bluger, who are two of their best penalty killers. Freddie Gaudreau has stepped up in a big way on the penalty Ooh, kill. Yeah. Zach Aston Reese has kind of taken charge of that <laughs> unit. Scary. And all of a sudden the Penguins have a steady penalty kill right now and a pretty lethal power play at the moment. So, it, right now, a lot of the problems are fixing themselves. You just have to hope that once the integration of these injured players come back, it just takes it to the next level. That's what you have to hope for. You have to hope they didn't mm-hmm. miss a beat. I mean, guys like Tanev and Bluger, I don't believe will have. I mean, this is the first time we'll ever see Bluger come back from something like this, so we'll have to really mm-hmm. uh, keep an eye on that. Um, and it doesn't help we don't know the specifics of all these injuries, but Tanev, I just kind of expect him to come back flying because that's just the way he plays. And he still has the ability to just, you know, fly around and do his thing and be um, the energy guy. The other guy's out now. Malkin is, we'll see. He's the one that we have to watch the most, the most, because he was on such a hot streak going into his injury. Uh, And then there's Kapanen, who I think we mentioned, you know, looked lost without Malkin. Started to look like he was regaining his confidence by himself out there, but then just we saw the injury happen um so it's important that these guys come back and play like they were not even just come back i mean jason zucker can come back and improve his game but mm-hmm. he's like the one guy that hopefully this little time off helped him in that in that sense we'll have to see especially because jason zucker's injury was a lower body injury that's something that can mess with a player a, a whole lot and before he got injured jason zucker was actually starting to play a yeah. little bit better so it was very unfortunate timing. I know we mentioned that when we talked about his injury right after it happened on this show. So it's something that we'll have to take a keep an eye on, and it's something that's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks when these players start to come yeah, back. Yeah, and Zucker is progressing far ahead of schedule because I think he is. there was talks that he wasn't going to play the rest of the regular season. Yeah, there was a worry at least. Yeah, and now it's, hey, he's skating with the team. Like mm-hmm. I didn't. I also didn't realize how long ago his injury was. I think he missed like 12, 18, 18 games, games so far. Yeah, I thought it happened like at the beginning of the month, man. No, it was it was about mid February, which honestly doesn't seem like that long. Like it 
his injury doesn't seem yeah. like that long ago, mainly because it was the first in this long laundry list of forward injuries. And in that time, McCann has come back, been injured, and come back yeah. again from injury. So it, there's just been so many injuries for the Penguins that you kind of get lost in the shuffle of who got injured first, how long ago it was, what their injury was. But to finish off the Islanders game, before we get into all of that, because there's a lot of talk so about much. the injuries that we have to do. Brian Russ gets his first hat trick since March of 2020. That was that game against the Ottawa Senators. So good on, on the Rusty Razor for getting the hat trick, especially that empty net goal had to feel good when he was taking that penalty with a couple minutes to go. Islanders, as you mentioned, were coming back. It was 5-3. to three. And for him to be able to watch his team go out and kill a penalty, which we already talked about the penalty kill being great, and then the puck to just magically come onto his stick at center ice with nobody in front of him and him to go out and, and put in the empty netter to get the hat trick. It was good on Russ for doing that, and the Russ stash is really starting to take off this week. He said it's going, though. He said he's taking it off once. Uh, he probably hates it. Yeah, once the time on it is up, mm -hmm. he's taking it off. But, oh, the mustache boy is back. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's fun for the team to do. It's good to see the team have some morale like that, but. God, I just get bad memories from it, man. <laughs> I wonder what Jake Gensel would look like with a mustache. Can he grow facial hair? I don't think That's so. That's the issue with half of this team. Well, See, the Penguins need to go on a long playoff run so we can see if Jake Gensel has hit puberty enough to be able to grow a the, mustache. The issue is we have seen Jake Gensel go on a long playoff run, and it's not pretty. It's, it's, it's blonde. Just, it's literally like it's blonde. blonde stubble. Yeah. So... Other than that, I was impressed with Sam Lafferty's assist again. The second time this week that he has had a nice sauce assist. Yeah, Sam Lafferty that doing one, things. Yeah, it's nice to see him do minimal things like that. We're not asking him to be Jake Gensel. We're not asking him to be Brian Rust. We're asking him to do something like that once a week. He did it twice this week. That's great. That's great. You can stay in the lineup still. You still have priority over Drew O'Connor. Like, that's... Thank you. That is all we ask for from Sam Lafferty. I was impressed with the fact that he has kind of started to pick his game up in the last couple of games. I don't know if that first assist he had against Buffalo kind of brought him back to life, gave him a little bit more energy, made him a little bit you know high-spirited, and that's why we've seen him play a little bit better in these recent games. Whatever it is, it's nice to see him be able to step it up to that next level and kind of get his feet back underneath yeah, him. Yeah, it didn't help that going into this week, Tristan Jari was pacing him in points. <laughs> we don't need we don't need to do them like that come on man no but jari's had a hell of a season with assists so i kind of always go back to looking at who on this team that has played regularly has three or fewer points mm -hmm. and he was one of them so i was not i was not happy uh jari's still uh he, he's still pacing jankowski though so i think he's tied with him yep so hey because jankowski picked up that yeah he's there's some issues, but for what it's worth, um, yeah, that's just kind of it's kind of my watermark for this season of how bad you're gonna be on this team. It's because if I, you get outscored by the goalie, you're bad. Yeah, because normally that the goalie gets no points mm -hmm. unless it's the '90s and Tom Brass was just feeding it all the way up to Mario at the blue line, or Martin Brodeur in the late '90s, or Hextall, or Hextall in the early yeah. '90s as well. Um, but no, it's kind of the era where goalies get it, pass it off, and there's at least two or three passes, and it doesn't matter. 
here we are with DeSmith, DeSmith too, because he's the one that had that sick um, five on three pass. pass. Yeah. So, yeah, once Jari starts getting a ton of points, we got to start worrying. <laughs> I want to see Tristan Jari score a goal this season. I think yeah. I think it happens. I think he gets a goal. I I don't think I've seen him try too hard. Whenever there's been empty nets, I don't think he's had too many opportunities. But he scored one in Wilkes-Barre, yeah. and he's right now as confident as he's ever been in his puck handling. So I think we see it by the end of the season. Oh, is he ever as confident as he's been? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the last thing I do want to talk about really quickly about the Islanders game, and this is something that is fairly obvious, so it's not a revelation for any of our listeners. Matt Barzal. Is good at hockey. He's just so good at hockey. He is. I you know, you know it, and then you watch him play, and you're like, how do more people not talk about him? And I hate to say it like that, but is it because he plays on the Islanders? Like, I don't I don't mean to do the Islanders like that, but like, is it because he plays on that team, on that Barry Trotz team, that less people know how good this this guy is at at the sport? He is an incredible skater, has a great shot, and is a fantastic playmaker. I mean, he should have technically scored two goals the same way on Saturday, but Jari saved the second one only for Beauvillier to put it back in the net. So I just, I want to commend him because, again, on Saturday, even in a losing effort, he put on a masterclass of the sport. Yeah, it, the Barzal thing isn't, it's, it's a hard situation because there are the good players, like the guys from Florida, like Barkov, where they are unknown, but that's because they're in a weird situation of how many people actually listen and watch uh, Florida Panthers hockey, which is probably growing this year. But still, New York's situation is that they play a defensive style. You know, Florida, we know they play very fast and um, offensively, but no one sees it because no one li- like watches the games. The Islanders... It is a defensive-minded team that happens to have Matt Barzal on it. So it's a popular team, so people know about him. Um, I was talking about it with a buddy of mine that the Islanders, yes, are very defensive, but if they need offense, they have it. They just let Matt Barzal run loose. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe like one more very high-power offensive threat really makes them a scary team. But one isn't that bad when he's that good. That's kind of the, the difference between that, like why he is unknown, but also very known. So it's 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 kind of like the Florida Panthers effect, but at the same time, yeah. a different situation. He's unknown by mainstream hockey fans. He's more known by hockey fans that like to explore the league and, and, and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just a fact of, I, I think more mainstream hockey fans would love to watch Matt Barzell's game. And I think that's also something that, hey, maybe when the ESPN deal kicks in and once they start getting a little bit more national attention from the ESPN deal, maybe that's something that this deal helps is some of the smaller market teams or some of the teams like the Islanders who have superstars like Matt Barzell on their team and they just need to be showcased more. So hopefully the ESPN deal does something like that for a team like that or even a team like Buffalo and Jack Eichel, even though we already talked, ad we don't need to go back into that. Uh, crap hole but yeah i I completely agree with you yeah i like that you said small market because i was just about to say another reason why he is at least a little more known is that he plays in a big market so Mm -hmm. i mean it's the it is a long island new york market so it is a little different but at the same time for outsiders you see new york and you kind of just assume 
mm-hmm. that it's um, New York City-ish. I mean, it's it's close, let's be honest. Uh, but So you kind of just assume that it's New York, New York, cool. Kind of like how all the well, football teams play in New Jersey, which is technically a way smaller market than New York. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills are the only football team in New York. Yeah. So. So. Or how there are two New York baseball teams. One of them is the Yankees, which obviously huge, huge market worldwide. And then the Mets, who, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, Mets. the Mets. So, But they're a big, well-known team because of the history. That was the other part I was going to get to with the Islanders. Uh, there's a ton of history there. So that kind of lends yeah. the hand to a lot of people know who Barzal is. Uh, but I get what you're saying. It's that defensive structure that people don't want to watch. So mm-hmm. they know about him, but they figure he's on the ice for – what a little over a quarter of the game that sounds like a lot of boring hockey it's funny that you mentioned the mets too you know mets islanders kind of the same stories kind of same colorway colors so yeah just fun stuff like that but with the pittsburgh penguins we mentioned a lot about the goalie tandem and i do want to talk about it a little bit more here do they have the best goalie tandem right now in the east division i mean it helps that tuka rask is out injured and, and he's being replaced by vladar who hasn't been awful but do the Penguins, at least in the month of March, have they had the best goalie tandem in the East Division? Uh, probably. I don't know what... Who... So it's in Washington. It's... Vanacek, Vanacek. and Samsonov. Samsonov? Okay. Couldn't even tell you who the backup was, so that gives you the fact that they have a good starter and a backup, so it's not a tandem. Uh, the Islanders... Ugh. I mean, how have the Islanders actually he- been doing aside from this last game? I would say that the, I mean, it's kind of a cheesy thing to say, not even cheesy. It's just an easy thing to say is the best tandems right now are the top three teams. Yeah. Uh, the Penguins will go down through their numbers in a second, but Vanacek has been extremely good in what is his rookie season and Sam Sonov being injured and on the COVID list early in the season kind of hampered him a little bit. And then they had, I believe like Craig they Anderson wrote, or somebody yeah, they wrote stepping in Craig Anderson for, as the backup for a little while though. So, I mean, I don't know yeah. exactly what's going on with that. I mean, the Capitals right now are the hottest team, probably close to being the hottest team in the league. They're playing extremely well, but I don't know if that is due to their goaltending as much as it's due to the way that their team as a whole is playing the Penguins they don't have a team as a whole right now. They're, they're, they're kind of a broken down team. And the Islanders, if you look at them, yes, yeah, Sorokin and Varlamov have played extremely well. And Sorokin had one, I believe, like nine or ten straight starts. But if you look at the Penguins, and here's the numbers. Casey DeSmith in March, 4-1 and one, with a 972 save percentage. A 0.8 goals allowed average and two shutouts. Yeah, both shutouts were against the Sabres, but still. Shutouts nonetheless. That is... That is ridiculous, which has him in the top five or the top 10 in both save percentage and goals allowed average right now in the NHL. Tristan Jari, on the other hand, seven wins, two losses, and an overtime loss, a 927 save percentage, and a 2.4 goals allowed average. So with a much bigger sample size, he has still extremely good numbers. And the Penguins right now are benefiting from those two playing their best when the Penguins are missing their offense the most. I say that as the Penguins have scored what? 15 goals in the last three games. They're averaging five goals in the last three games, but still they're they're missing the scoring talent. But luckily this past week, they've still found the back of the net, but Jari and DeSmith have been very good, especially in games where the defense has made them face a lot of rubber. Oh yeah. 
Because, I mean, yeah, our defense is back and fully healthy, but, boy, sometimes they just don't look like they want to be there. That's been mm-hmm. one issue with our team is that we have not looked good defensively for quite a lot of this season. I mean, not so much that we – not that we don't look like we care, but, boy, it just looks sloppy quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said about the defense, but I think we've said it already. This is a defense that is focused on offense. And the problem was they weren't producing offensively for the longest yeah. time when healthy. Now we still have a guy like Brian Dumlin who cares more about defense than anything. We still have a guy like Cody Cece who is just having a fantastic season. Yep. Chris Letang has stepped it up and started to play as we expect Chris Letang to play. I still think I need to see something more from Marcus Pedersen and John Marino. Yeah. Those two... They have moments where I look at it and I'm like, that's the John Marino of last year. That's the Marcus Pedersen that signed that contract. And then I ha- they have games where it's, oh, that's the John Marino from earlier this season. Oh, that's the Marcus Pedersen that we're trying to ship out. And then there's Mike Matheson, who's a completely different story. Ooh. Who It's not even game to game. It's shift to shift with him, whether or not it's going to be something ugly or something beautiful. So the Penguins defense core is very much in flux as far as their performance goes. They have been steady as far as the lineup goes, but the one thing that has been the most constant for the Penguins has been the goaltending this month. Yep. That's what we need him to be. Matheson's been a wild card. You described everything else perfectly. Uh, yeah, the goaltending duo is looking great. I mean, it's... I mean, you say best in the division, I start running down everyone and everyone else in the division, and I mean, dear God, what happened to Carter Hart? Oh, yeah, Philly is struggling on the goaltending department. And I don't want to take anything away from Alexander Yorgiev, but Igor Shosturkin is far and away the best goalie in New York, but he's just coming back from injury. Yeah, a funny thing is the Rangers might F around and make the playoffs if they're not careful, (laughs) If 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 the Bruins aren't careful too. So who knows? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to judge the, uh, devil's goaltending goaltending because they seem to play like Vesna contenders against us <laughs> but when they're against everyone else god only knows so yeah i'd say for what it is worth we definitely have a top two tandem right now mm-hmm. i don't i don't know who else would be better at the moment because like you said rask is hurt in boston i don't know what's going on exactly with the islanders i mean we just shelled their is he the starter there sorokin it's a Barry Trot system. It's a Lou Lamorello system. They don't have a starter. Right. They have a goalie. They have two goalies. They have two goalies. One of them will play. Okay. And we shelled the guy that was starting that night. So, yeah. Um, and then Vanacek is being a starter with a backup. So, yeah. It's for what it's worth as a as a tandem. I would say those two are definitely the top in the division for right now definitely top two we'll just have to see how the rest of it plays out yeah let's hope that the penguins can keep this success it's funny because at the beginning of the season do we remember how nervous we were about this tandem with jari playing the way he did in the first couple games obviously it was an overreaction and i don't know if we were as nervous as a lot of people were Okay, so we'll have to go back and listen to the episode because i did a little digging on our twitter and noticed that one of our questions one of our pence polls was do the Penguins need to trade for a goalie? And the far and away winner of that of that question was yes. So yeah. we, we would have to go dig and find our responses to that to see what we were feeling. 
Because I think one of us may have said yes. I don't remember exactly. I don't exactly remember either, so we'll go yeah. back. I believe I said it'd be nice to have another goaltender, especially because at that point, Jari was starting to turn it around and DeSmith was playing as DeSmith does. But that was also around the time, I believe, that we had the Marc-Andre Fleury rumors, the John Gibson rumors. And I think that's why I said yes, that if you have a chance to get a guy like that, then you take it. But I'm happy with the goaltending as as of right now. I think it is one of the best goaltending duos in the East Division, probably top two or top three at the very least. So it's good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. you got to hope that continues, especially as injuries persist. So let's get into the injuries a little bit more. I'll run down through the updates that we have on our six injured forwards. There's not really even any injured defensemen. But our six injured forwards, let's talk about it. Mark Jankowski missed Saturday's game due to being placed on the COVID-19 list for the NHL. Obviously, we are unsure of his return date. We are unsure of whether or not he tested positive for covid But as of right now, he is the only player on the Pittsburgh Penguins that has been placed on the NHL's COVID protocol list. So we'll keep an eye on Jankowski going into the next game. Getting into the actual injuries, Jason Zucker has had a lot of good news over the past week. Not only did he start skating, he was skating with the main roster for morning skate prior to Saturday's game against the New York Islanders. He did still have a no-contact jersey on, so you would imagine the next step for him is to rejoin the main roster for a practice and then go from that no-contact jersey to a regular yellow or white or black, yellow or black jersey at practice. So good news on Jason Zucker. We would imagine that maybe sometime this week we get to see him back at practice with the main roster. Teddy Bluger and Brandon Tan have a little bit of good news on the front for those two. Both skating with skills coach Ty Hennis prior to the team's morning skate on Saturday. So it's nice to see that Teddy Bluger is back on the ice. And same with Brandon Tanev, who has been kind of on again, off again, as far as his skating level. Uh, the Tanev thing, I don't know how. I just want to add to it because I don't know exactly how accurate it is. I believe he was also placed on the COVID list after his practice. Mm-hmm. So... I know he skated. Yeah, I know he's... So as far as his injury is concerned, he can get back on the ice. I'm not sure with the COVID protocol. I did not see that. I saw Matt Vensel tweet it, and he mentioned that... I need to double-check who he who he mentioned for Jenna Harner. So who knows quite exactly. That's all they said was just... It, both of them, just one quick tweet of... Uh, Tanev is also on the COVID protocol list, so... Who knows where that goes? Okay. Uh, he could be yeah. off in a day. We've seen how quickly the shit turns around. Yeah, the Penguins have luckily been able to avoid mass casualties, I guess is the is the one way to put it, on the COVID list as far as compared to right now the Canadians are dealing with it earlier in the season. The Devils were dealing with it. The uh, St. Louis Blues and Anaheim have been kind of their schedules gotten mixed up and messed up. The Avalanche have struggled as well. Yeah. So luckily the Penguins, knock on wood, have avoided it. And right now we have Jankowski and, as you mentioned there, Tana, yeah. both on the list. We'll see if they persist to be on that list or if it was just being precaution for those two guys. The last two players I haven't mentioned are Kasperi Kapanen and Evgeny Malkin. Of course, not much news on the front for either of those two, both week-to-week and not skating currently, both with lower body injuries. Of course, Kapanen, we already talked about his injury, and Malkin being injured in the Boston game a couple of weeks ago. I'm going on two weeks missed now for Evgeny Malkin, so... We'll see what happens with those guys, but Horwat, when it comes to these injuries, obviously we know Evgeny Malkin is the biggest piece that we need to come back 
but how big of a boost would it be to be able to get a guy like Teddy Bluger and a guy like Jason Zucker back here in the next week or two? Um, that would be huge because our penalty kill, as good as it looks, um, you get a little nervous whenever they go mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, they've looked great, but it's your depth guys that are that are doing a lot of the scoring right now, and they're able to really implement it. They're able to help it, I think. You just pick and choose the right guys to take out of the lineup, and you know it's a different lineup down there. Like Let's say Zahorna and Angelo keep their spots. I don't know who gets taken. Sevier and let's say Goudreau gets taken out. Well, now you have a hell of a weird lineup compared to what we... Mm-hmm. We're thinking, expected. yeah. But you know what? It's something. It's different. And if it works, it works. So I think they're huge to get back. I still, I mean, obviously, I think Malkin's the biggest piece to get back. The way he's been playing. Yeah. But you have a little bit more of, um, you have more flexibility with guys like Bluger and Tanev because they can go um, and play a defensive game as well. Tanev can go anywhere in the lineup. And Bluger, we know he's going to be steady and is, um, you know, defensive-minded, but also with that little scoring touch. We know he's going to come back and be himself, at least we hope. I said before that uh, this is the first time we're going to be seeing something like it from him. Mm -hmm. We've consistently, for the past three weeks, maybe even a month, been at five of our top ten forwards absent. Of course, with McCann having his injury issues, he was out on that list for a while. So to be able to just get under that number of injured top 10 forwards would be nice. Uh, having a guy like Jason Zucker come back would be huge because he would be able to play with Jared McCann on that second line and maybe even have a line of McCann, Zucker, and Zach Aston Reese. And that way you have a, a line of you know your top nine forwards back together other than the top line itself. So having a guy like Zucker come back would be huge. I think especially because even though he didn't have a great scoring start to the season. He's a guy that has a lot of scoring touch, and he's also a guy that plays the way that Mike Sullivan likes to play the game and likes to have his players play the game. Teddy Bluger, on the other hand, the fact that he is skating right now is absolutely massive. The Penguins' center depth has been just crushed, especially with the fact that now Jankowski is missing games, and he was a top-four center for the Penguins going into this season. So now you, you look at it and... Three of your top four centers at the start of the season are now missing in action. So you hope Teddy Bluger can come back. And that, like you said, with a penalty kill playing as well as they are now, supplanting whoever is in there with Teddy Bluger is going to make it that much better. Yeah, for what it's worth, yeah, Jankowski hasn't been playing great. Uh, But when when he's your NHL regular on the fourth line, whenever he goes down, that's not good because that's just another Mm -hmm. body down. And we got to do more moving and shaking to fill the spot i mean for me i'm not too upset at the like i I hope jankowski is okay i don't wish injury and i definitely definitely don't wish COVID upon anybody we hope that it's just a false alarm for mark jankowski but it it is nice that freddie gaudreau is going to get some more time to prove that he is the fourth line center over mark jankowski and as of right now he's making a case i need to see it obviously a little bit more consistently, but so far he has played much better than Mark Jankowski had at any point during the season, other than maybe even the first game. This is Goudreau's time to really turn it on and prove it. This is it. Mm-hmm. He can, if he can really impress these next few games, it's his spot because we know he has been, I what did I call it, a semi NHL regular before. We we know he's a playoff yeah. performer apparently. 
maybe I don't it's the only year I remember him being in the playoffs so um yeah I think if he's able to prove it I mean he's been killing penalties phenomenally too he's got that part of his game I think he's a good utility player if he's able to crack a lineup now yeah so he's played well obviously he's starting to become I wouldn't say a fan favorite as much as Big Z is because everybody seems to love Redeem Zahorna but Freddie Gaudreau has definitely come in and done a good job of making a name for himself and making an argument to be left on the main roster whenever injuries start to to roll back. I'm not sure whether that that's possible, considering how many names are currently out, but we'll have to wait and see. One last thing I want to talk about before we, we head to break is the trade deadline, because we are getting very, very close to the trade deadline and still crickets from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke as to whether or not they're going for anybody, any names coming out. There's nothing really coming across the news wire. We're exactly two weeks away today from when the trade deadline happens for the NHL. What do you think the Penguins do? I don't know. I don't know. I, you saw all the, We see all these injuries happening, and you wonder, maybe pick a guy up for a bottom six role. Do we need to now? Our bottom six looks good, even if they are a ton of injuries or a ton of replacement players. Who do you ship out to fill that spot? Maybe you trade someone for assets because we have no draft picks. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd be cool with that. Shed some cap space and, you know, gain a pick or two. That'd be something. Who are you also trading away? Like, at this point, we can't trade away a forward. Mm -mm. Um, And who... Are people is are people gonna take Yusuf Rikola? Are people gonna take? Why can't I think of his name? Pedersen. I mean, Pedersen seems to be the odd man out here. Good contracts, a lot of money for us at this moment, at least, and he's young. He's got term. It's a valuable commodity for someone. I don't know exactly who, but someone would like him. Someone would use him. So, I think he's the odd man out there. And if we trade a guy like him. Genuinely, do I want a forward? I don't want a big name forward. I don't. I'm sorry, everyone who... That's probably blasphemous because everyone wanted Eric Stahl. I don't know why. Yeah. I get he was playing in Buffalo. I get that's not a good help. But ugh, we don't need that. That's a lot of money, even if they did retain 50%. That's a lot of money that we cannot afford. Um, And also, really, what if he just does come in and blow it up? What, then what? Then it's egg on our face. Then it's a repeat of the Patrick Marlowe situation from last exactly. season. Exactly. I don't want these big-name forwards. I, who's the other one that keeps getting talked about? I know Eric Holla has been mentioned a couple times. I don't know if that's who you're talking no, about. No, that's not. But... I would like that because that's not too big of a name, and he is known as like a depth guy. Eric Stahl is known as a scorer, or mm-hmm. at least used to be. I'm trying, there was another big-name scorer that I just can't remember now, but I don't want the big name. I don't. Not this yeah. year. My God, not this year. And if anyone's getting traded, I kind of want it to be Patterson. I just, I don't know why. Yeah. It's just odd man out. And if I was to say trade him, I'm thinking pieces. I'm thinking draft picks because we got to build from the ground up eventually. That's Hextall's MO, exactly. too. That's the thing. And we don't know much about Hextall's vision when it comes to Pittsburgh, but we know a lot about his vision when it comes to L.A., and we know a lot about his vision when it comes to Philly, and his vision is rebuilding from the inside out, and that's what he's going to look to do here is what I would imagine. So as far as the trade deadline this season goes, 
is there any harm to just saying, hey, this team is playing well. Hey, this team is still injured. When they get healthy, they're going to be much better anyway. Maybe just leave it go. Maybe just let well enough alone. I know that's what Rutherford said last season before the trade deadline and then went out and changed a third of the forward lineup. So I feel much more confident that, you know, if Hextall and Burke decide to say that, that they're actually going to follow through with that. But I don't think there's there's anything wrong with just playing it as it lies, if you will, and just kind of letting this team go on the trajectory that they're going and seeing if they can make a run out of Especially it. Especially when they when the management group said, um, we're not going to, at least, not not verbatim quote here, but they basically said, we're not going to make huge moves. Mm-hmm. And if we make moves, it'll just be a little tinkering just to evaluate the team and what we have. And then in the off season is when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. So we'll see how everything goes for the rest of the year. Like I said, I Pedersen would be a big move. I don't think it would be a big move for what they're discussing, though, like with what their no. thoughts are. That would be a move, I think, to recoup assets. Honestly, if I... Th- see anything happening for the Pittsburgh Penguins and putting on an armchair GM mode right now before I get to what I was just about to say yeah it'd be great to have another center sure. especially looking at the Penguins center depth right now with three centers being injured it'd be great to have another option there but what do you do when everyone's trying to do right now with Rodriguez can play center McCann can play center Freddie Gaudreau can play center Redeem Zahorna can play center so you have options it would be nice to have another NHL veteran in that role going into a hopeful playoff run but at the same time what are you willing to pay for that i'm not willing to pay very much i i don't want to see them spend all that much at all and i don't think they will if anything like i was going to say before if there's any move that i could try to prophesize it would be either yuso ricola or marcus Pedersen that are shipped out for a third or fourth round pick plus what do you do if let's say you get a center what do you do when everyone's healthy again Who's, you just wasted an asset who's, for a guy that's not playing. Yeah, who's out of luck? I mean, I'm assuming that the trade stays in because mm-hmm. you traded for him. You have to keep him in. That's how the that's how the NHL works. Um, but yeah, who's out of luck there? Jankowski? Sure, he can be out of luck. That's fine. But still, at this point, Goudreau might be the one out of luck. Now we're now it's not looking good because <laughs> that bumps yeah. Bluger to the fourth line again. Depending on who you get. Well. Not gonna say it'd be a bad thing to be able to rely on that Bluger line as a fourth line instead of a third line, which is where they've been this whole season. Right. But at the same time, what are you gonna pay for a guy that's gonna be able to supplant them? Exactly. It's the center's not a good idea right mm-hmm. now, unless it is a guy you are fully willing to put on the taxi squad or scratch. Yeah, but here's the thing with that: the center is the only thing that I can see them wanting to spend any assets on. Exactly. Like they. The wingers, yeah, we're injured there too, but we're a lot deeper at wing and defense are, like I said, not the best group of defensemen, but definitely one of the deepest pool of defensemen in the league right now. Goaltending, we already talked about that. That's good. There's not really anything that the Penguins, I don't think there's a match right now for them. And we have two weeks to see if they end up being a match for anything, but I just don't see it as of right now. Yep, me neither. I really don't. Especially with how late it's going and there's been just nothing. Literally, the only move is is picking up Mark Friedman off of waivers. Yeah, and not even that. It's the I don't think the NHL is real. People keep hyping up, oh, all these guys are selling, all these guys are... No one's going to make a move. No one. Not in this It e- does help. Not in this economy. It does help that the, uh, the quarantine is now down to seven days instead of 14 between the United States and Canada, but that's still... It's still a hurdle to be climbed, and it's still going to defer 
or deter, I shouldn't say defer. It's, it's still going to deter some general managers from making deals with Canadian teams. That could be four to five games. Yeah, if there's, especially with the schedule this yeah. year. It's what, yeah, that could be four to five games. You really want to trade a guy and have have to fill in for four to five games before your before your piece gets here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that many trades gonna. There might be one to two more big ones, decent sized mm-hmm. ones maybe. And really, is the Eric Stahl one even that big? He's old. He came from Buffalo. Is it mm-hmm. that big? If he was going to a better team, maybe from a better team to a better team, maybe. But for now, it's that. It it was a trade that happened. Congratulations. Hey, he he would have filled the Matt Cullen role for the Penguins. He would have filled that role at a but much higher price. At a much higher price, but tis not to be. He's with the Habs. Good luck to him. I guess we we always love the Stahl brothers on this show, yeah. unless it's Mark Stahl. So <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have our shoutouts and callouts. The the lost shoutouts and callouts segment from last <laughs> week. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network and also brought to you by DraftKings. Use code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook app. For great opportunities and great odds on your bets, I uh, I almost won Ooh. a thirteen grand parlay on Saturday. And by almost, I mean I was three off, but okay. it was out of eleven. I was very excited. I bet like two dollars, had like thirteen grand possible victory, and then stinking Red Wings <laughs> crushed me. Oh man, Red Wings crushed me, man. But. Nonetheless, it was a great time. Let's get into our shout-outs and call-outs segment. Horwat, who's your shout-out? Uh, this week, I'm going to shout-out the NHL waiver wire for just every noon, every 12 noon, every day. Um, it gives hockey fans heart palpitations. Uh, it gives us something to talk about for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes Twitter blow up. I literally wrote down, making Twitter blow up for about 37 minutes on why your team should sign that random player that the other team is literally just trying to put on the taxi squad. That's it. Everyone, it, every time you see a name come up, it's usually from Friedman, Elliot Friedman, this player on the taxi squad. Everyone in the mentions, why is my team not signing him? Because no one wants to sign players this year. I love the just the discussion that happens from it, though. It is, and honestly, it is interesting seeing like Dominic Simone on the waiver wire. Everyone on Penguins Twitter, sign him. It's cool, it just a little. Just a little. And plus, Vancouver needs to let everyone else have some fun, please. Eventually, I'm sure more teams <laughs> will make signings, but we get it. You guys are struggling and need the players. Um, I think it's just a lot of fun. Every day there's someone new almost, or it's someone clears. It's it's just entertaining to watch. <clears throat> it's the off-ice stuff of hockey that I love like that, and just seeing this name on the waiver wire, everyone exploding. These teams should sign him. Why? Where? Why? What are you going to get rid of then? You got to get rid of someone. Yeah, it gives hockey news some entertainment for the, like 40 minutes every day. I know David Backus was a big name. Anaheim put him on waivers and a lot of people talked about that. But it it's, it's entertaining it is. At, at the very least. It's fantastic because 
people are saying, oh, wow, I don't, I can't believe they're putting them on waivers. It's No, they're really just trying to finagle the salary cap in a year where they give you the option with the taxi squad to be able to mess with the salary cap to save like a couple extra thousand dollars yeah. and teams in the NHL are doing that for that simple reason. And I think, I think a lot of the GMs, I think there's a little insider baseball GM code, don't take players off the waiver wire this year. Unless, like, Jimmy VC is out there, which Jimmy VC made a ton of sense. That's a decent yeah. young player who can be a depth player somewhere in Vancouver, of course, said, yeah, we'll do that. Um, we picked up Friedman, which I that was before I really realized the waiver wire was the way it was. I didn't even know mm-hmm. who that was or if he was on waivers. Uh, but it sure made Elliot Friedman popular for a minute. Like I said, yeah, it's there's been so much entertainment with the waiver wire this year that it's it's just fun. I mean, again, I think there's a little insider uh, discussion with GMs. Hey, let's not sign a ton of people off waivers this year because we're just trying to utilize what we can. The waiver thing's kind of a dumb rule, especially if you're just trying to put them on the taxi squad and not the actual minors. But, I mean, hey, like about 98% of the players have made it through, so it's just fun. What you don't know is there's actually a 31-person chain message between all of the general managers in the nhl and sometimes they're saying all right back us to the waiver wire not this one and then mark freeman to the waiver wire he's actually available and then then people go about their business based on that. i want to know how many gms have that conversation muted and just aren't getting those notifications ron hextall for sure I was thinking more. Ron like, Hextall's like, I really don't care who's on your waivers. I'm not making a move. You know, I refuse. You know, Pierre Dorian has that, has like that on ice. He's that's that's his uh that's his emergency contact. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like some GMs. Whoever's GMing in Buffalo definitely just does not have that. He's not in there. Kevin Adams. Kevin Adams. He's not in there. Um, there's I like the idea of 31 NHL GMs in the same group text. Then they, one of them accidentally puts in a trade proposal to somebody else, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, that meant to be. That was supposed to only go to. <laughs> that was only supposed to go to him. That was only, only for Rutherford. To to and except I forgot he's not in this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that would be fun to think about, but who knows? But yeah, the waiver wire has been very, very interesting. It's been entertaining. Yeah, nothing. I I know Some... nothing's coming from it. Every name I see, but it's it's just cool to see that's that kind of thing and watch Twitter explode. Speaking of Twitter exploding, my shout-out this week goes to Tim Peel for <laughs> confirming what literally everybody already knew, which is the NHL has makeup calls, and NHL referees make makeup calls. Of course, this happened whenever the Red Wings were playing the Predators. Peel could be heard saying that he, quote, wanted to get a penalty against Nashville, suggesting that he was advocating for a, quote, makeup call. Beautiful. Which, again, confirming... What literally every single NHL fan knows, but because of that, the NHL saw that as, you just sold state secrets, classified state secrets, to the world. And they fired him. Which is unfortunate, because Tim Peel has been in the NHL for for a while now as a referee, and because he sold the state secrets that everybody literally already knew he lost his job. So there's a lot of moving pieces to that Tim Peel story. Uh, I guess he was retiring at the end of the year anyway. Oh, so, well. And they didn't technically fire him. They fa- they just phased him out for the rest of the year and gave him an early retirement, basically. So he's still getting... They fired him. Fired. I mean, he's still getting mm-hmm. paid, still getting his pension, still getting all the retirement plan stuff. 
Um, and I guess the league wasn't a fan of Tim Peel anyway. Like, the league, not just fans. Like, there was some stuff that happened a long time ago with him having a few drinks with a journalist in a bar. Uh, I forget the whole story. Steve, the Steve Daniels podcast did a really good, it had a really good segment on this whole thing. So he's really the Edward Snowden of the NHL. Kind of. Because he wasn't <laughs> liked by the league that much. I mean, is he the one that I brought it up last year when the Penguins were playing Boston, when Marshand and Latang were literally wrestling and two stars of the league could really get hurt? Was he the one that was just pointing at him? I don't remember. I, I don't remember referees' names that, that much I just, unless they're... West Macaulay. I just remember uh, that was like a big game, and I'm pretty. It was either him or Sutherland, because I only know those three refs. I now I think I remember it was Sutherland okay. because I remember you going off on the show. About I, yeah, because I know I brought it up on here. Okay, I had to make sure I knew which one. But yeah. uh, Tim Peel, yeah, it's it. Plus, like I said, the fans didn't like him that much either. <laughs> I just love the fact that he went on whatever you call it. He's no longer refereeing because of something that was viewed at by the NHL as, like, selling state secrets, selling the deepest, darkest secrets from the FBI of the NHL, when realistically all he did was confirm the fact that there's makeup calls in the NHL, which, if you didn't know that, i very shocked. Yeah, no, it's definitely been well known, but um, it's there's a lot that rides on the fact that it was public information. Like, there's a lot of... Yeah. Someone brought up the gambling part because that means that referee is literally mm-hmm. not calling the game the way it should be. And someone said, if yeah. I was gambling on that game, I'd request all my money back because technically it's a, it's a fraud game, technically, because that was proven. There have been already videos of referees covering their mic, by the way, <laughs> like this. It's really funny. So we'll see. See where this goes. I mean, it, probably nothing because everyone already knew it. Nothing needs to change. Well, things need to change, but yeah, we'll see. It's interesting. He just became the scapegoat, and honestly, that's fine. He was a he was retiring. B the league wasn't a big fan of him because apparently he had also never refed a Stanley Cup final series, which is kind of a big deal for referees and for one that's t- that tenured. Uh, you would assume he would have one or two in there. Apparently, it's none. He never really got past the second round, like the Capitals hmm. for a little while. <laughs> got it in there. On that note, let's go into the call-outs. I'll, I'll start, and then we'll roll out call-outs with okay. you. My call-out this week goes to the Calgary Flames. They've quickly become one of my least favorite teams in the league, surprisingly, even though I love their mm-hmm. jerseys. I don't really like their team, and it, it stinks because the reason I'm calling them out this week mainly calling out Rasmus Anderson and Matthew Kachuk for trying to play keep away with a game puck from a Senators goalie that just got his first win. There are some things, unwritten rules in the league. Oh, here we go. You know where that puck goes. You don't need to be a dick. And they were just upset because they lost to the Ottawa Senators, which, yes, LOL, you lost to the Ottawa Senators, but that was Philip Gustafson's first career win. And you're trying to play keep away and slamming the puck off the ground and Matthew Kachuk shooting it down away from his brother of all people. And it's just, your team is so unlikable. And I used to like Brady or Matthew Kachuk, not, not Brady. I used to like Matthew Kachuk when he started doing this stuff. And now it just feels like he's trying too hard to be the rat. Yeah. That he's less focused on being a good player because he's still a good player. 
And the reason I liked him before is he was a good player with edge. And now it's just him trying to be Brad Marchand 2.0. And it's just not working. And it just makes me dislike this team even more. Yeah, it's that's so interesting. I think this is a common thing, though, where teams will try and take the first game puck like or the first win puck like that. Because I've definitely heard of this happening before. And it only really happens in like rivalry games. Yeah. Um, Man, I wouldn't really consider Ottawa Calgary a rivalry, but at this point uh this year everyone's a rival with each other um yeah so i guess this is like not a not a common common thing but i've definitely seen something like this happen before uh by the way that is former penguins prospect philip gustafson to you i was gonna mention <laughs> that so congratulations former yeah. Penguins prospect um but no it's yeah i who cares man it's a puck are you like i i mean who cares to the flames i'm with you on this yeah okay it's a puck dude what, what were you gonna get out of the oh they can't get their picture now you lost man take it like you lost you guys aren't even in the playoffs right now and i expected you to be a lot better than you are you've been losing a lot i guess get used to it um and again it's a puck really do you care that much mm-hmm well, he can't get his picture. Well, he's got he had plenty of pictures. You know how many photographers are at NHL games? Yeah. Hey, look at all these other photos from his first NHL win. Get over it. And I still enjoy Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I mean, he is just I'm not saying I absolutely hate him, but I don't like him as much as I used to. I understand that. And I say I still like him because I don't play against him. If I Fair was enough. if I was a fan of a Canadian team, by God, I'd probably hate his guts. Also, the other thing that happened last weekend, which was Sutter, their coach, when asked about Johnny Gaudreau's 500th so game, fun. he said, quote, I hope he skates better than he did in his 499th. Michelle Terrian style. That is a bold statement, but I guess Sutter's all, he, he's always been doing it. Worked. That, so it worked. Gaudreau popped really off. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's get one, let's get Johnny Gaudreau out of Calgary, two, they need to change their culture around that team because as long as their culture's like that, they're not winning. Yeah, they've anything. had some, woof, woof. They've had some dogged years, man. Strange because they are a good team with good players. That oh, there's something weird there. Something in the water, but yeah, who knows? That's a great hockey team whenever it's good and a great hockey town. But if we're moving on, I have a fun call out. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so I am. Uh, I've discussed this with you already. I'm calling out myself for uh, the ice cold take of every team hitting 56 games. While <laughs> it is still possible, um, as we come down the stretch of the season, uh, the ever since I said, "Hey, we might." Ever since I went on that little tangent of, I feel like every team's going to get 56 games, and you clipped it up and twit and put it on Twitter. Ever since then. Uh, well, COVID's back. <laughs> it's had to, you know, postpone multiple games. The Canadians are down until the 28th, which is today. But um, at the time I wrote this call out, uh, that was a little while away. Yeah, multiple teams have had to miss games. Multiple teams have had to miss coaching staffs, i.e. the Sabres, which we did not mention at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so ever since I mentioned all that, uh, things have not looked good. They've had to move games around. Te- games have gotten postponed. Players are getting put on the list. Jankowski and maybe Tanev, for example, in Pittsburgh ourselves. Yeah, what an ice-cold take I had there. I mean, I, it's still possible. Every team squeezes in all 56. But 
I'm a little less confident in it now than I was before. I mean, obviously, I was very confident in it then. And I just did the journalistic thing of saying, you know what? Here's the mood right now. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. Let's discuss it. Now the mood has changed, so I'm discussing it again and saying, boy, I'm just gonna not going to take back what I said, but I'm going to look back and say, yeah, cold take, ice cold take. Yeah, the journalistic thing of taking a take, turning it up to 11, and presenting it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but hey, the, the, the thing you do with that is if it's wrong, then you go out there and you call yourself out, which I believe both of us do probably more often than we need to, but we're both pretty self-degrading every once in a while. Especially whenever it comes down to it. I mean, I still believe uh, that every team will get all 56 in. It may just be a little harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also curious as to how they're going to do it. Is it if let's say it one because it is div- everything's broken up by division um if one division doesn't reach all 56 do they go in by percentage and they split it like other divisions can be in by points because they got in all 56 i because that's it's, weird because it's not like those teams played each other yeah that that is a strange thing especially if you look at the the east division right now fingers crossed, knock on wood, they are kind of all on a decent trajectory right now to finish all at 56 games. So I guess since there's no kind of crossover between divisions, that would make sense. But there's always going to be somebody that that argues and somebody that complains if they're left out due to one or the other. I think that would be a good idea, though. If a division has all eight or nine teams or however many teams are in it, if a division has all eight or nine teams or seven teams finish all 56 games, just play it by that. And if another division can't, then you go by points percentage because there is no soiling of the samples in either way because they didn't play each other. It, It's definitely a different perspective on how to look at it. I mean, I'm sure the NHL already has a plan for all this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't think it's public knowledge yet. But at the same time, it's such an interesting concept because these teams haven't played each other. They've only been playing in their yeah. division. It's kind of like four different leagues right now that are all going to – it's old school where they're all going to come together eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, who knows exactly what's happening there. And I kind of like that idea. If you really can't get it, if, like, a division can't get all 56 in, maybe that one does have to ride by points percentage. But why – because then you would be taking away from teams in other divisions. Like, we played all 56. Yeah. Why is it now points percentage? So I think it might have to come down to that if teams can't play all 56. We'll see. I mean, we're coming down the stretch. What uh, what game did the Penguins just finish up? 30-something? 33, I believe, or 34. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but the Penguins and every NHL team have about a month and a half to go, the whole month of April and a little bit of May. So we'll have to see how that turns out. We're going to no- take another quick break. When we return, we'll finish it off with our Pens poll. We'll be right back. I'm Corey Francia. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is For You with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Nick Berlansky. He's Nick Horwat, And we're talking about our Pens poll to wrap up this episode 
episode 33, season two of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Our poll last week for you guys was which of these goals from the Penguins 2016 Cup run is most memorable to you. Before I even run down the answers that are on here, a lot of people try to, I'll say this in air quotes, call me out for not including the Nick Bonino goal in overtime against the Capitals. There's a reason behind everything that I do. And the reason that I didn't include that goal is because it wouldn't be fair. This poll ended up being Very close. pretty close in the end. If I would have just dropped that goal in there for any of these four, it would have been over 85%. That's fair. It might have been over 90%. It wouldn't have been my answer still, and I and I was one of the ones that asked where it was. I was just genuinely curious. <laughs> there were some people that were, that were actually genuinely furious that it wasn't in there, but... Yeah, I I, didn't, I don't understand why people didn't didn't I, I understand it is a very memorable goal. It is probably one of if not the most memorable goal of that cup run. Probably one of if not the most memorable goal of both cup runs in 2016 and 17. Heck, I think that's even on the mural up in yeah. PPG Paints Arena. So, yes, obviously that is a memorable goal. But I wanted it a little bit closer of a competition. Therefore, I put down the four that I did. The winner of this poll was Chris Letang's game-winning goal against the San Jose Sharks in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. That received 39% of the vote, getting the victory. Connor Sherry's OT goal in Game 2 against the Sharks came in second with 28% of the vote. Sidney Crosby's overtime goal against the Lightning in Game 2 got 18% of the vote. And Patrick Hornquist's OT goal against Washington in Game 4 got 15% of the vote and came in last. Horwat, who did you vote for? And which one, and or I, I mean, I guess it is which one, but why is that the most memorable for you? Um, yeah, I chose the Connor Sheary goal for reasons of I was there, for one. Uh, and B, I always tell the story, I don't know if I tell it here, but um, I watched Crosby line up uh, Latang and Sheary. I watched Crosby set up the whole face-off off the draw. He said, you go here, I'm getting it, I'm winning the face-off here, you're going to send it here, you're going to shoot it. And that's exactly what happened. I remember watching that thinking it has to happen here because Crosby just lined it up. And then it did. And it was awesome. So it was, I, yeah, it was Shiri's goal, but I do give a ton of credit to Crosby for lining everyone up in the correct place and winning that important faceoff, obviously. Um, and as fun as the rest of these goals were, I mean, the Latang one's cool. And I know that that's the one that won it. Um, but I don't remember it that much, honestly. That series was so weird, or that game was so weird. I kind of remember Dumoulin's goal more than I do his. But, um, you know, it's uh, I had just had to go Sheary because a I was there, b I saw Crosby line it up. So, for me, I think the most memorable goal in this one is actually the Sidney Crosby goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning, mainly because of the way they lost game one against Tampa Bay. And secondly, because that was at that moment to me, one of the biggest goals Sidney Crosby had ever scored in the playoffs. It was a great shot set up by Brian Rust. And just the way that he was able to beat Andre Vasilevsky was absolutely huge. And this was before we knew Andre Vasilevsky was the, the terror of a goaltender that he turned out to be today. So for him to be able to score that goal, it was a massive goal in the course of that series. It was a massive goal in the course of the playoffs. 
and, and overall, it was a massive goal that helped lead the Penguins to a Stanley Cup. It is hard to forget Latang's game-winning goal against the Sharks, mainly because you know it's a game-winning Stanley Cup-winning goal. And, and Connor Sherry's OT goal was also really memorable for me, especially because it, it happened while I was at the big screen, and I always cherish those memories of me being at the big screen and being at the big screen with friends. So that's why I really enjoyed Sherry's goal. But to me, still, Sidney Crosby's OT goal takes the cake. Yeah, I think that also happened like five seconds into that overtime. I remember like my like mm-hmm. I always do in the playoffs because I am superstitious as I come as well. Uh, I turned my phone off during overtimes in the playoffs. My phone wasn't all the way off yet, <laughs> and he scored that. I vividly remember that because I was trying to get in. Um, I think I was trying to like look at a few more tweets or something like that as it was starting, um, my phone wasn't fully turned off yet. I think I'd like just put it down. I looked up at the screen and Crosby was scoring. So I was like, all right, well, that's cool. Yeah. That's the only part of that goal. I remember my memory is shot to shit sometimes. So I really don't remember a lot of these, like act them actually happening. I kind of just remember the surroundings, mm-hmm. but yeah, I remember my phone was not completely turned off yet for that one. And I kind of barely saw it. So that's a fun one. The Hornquist overtime one, believe because i remember that overtime i was just home in my room just doing nothing <laughs> i'm trying to remember what year Sidney crosby missed a game due to the matt neskinen hit was that the game that hornfist scored that goal no, no. That was 17 that was the next that year. was in 17 sorry but I, I still remember at that moment the penguins it, it could have been two to two heading back to washington and instead hornfist was able to beat holtby and it just felt so good to have that moment happen on home ice because Penguins history, not too, too many amazing, amazing moments happen at PPG Paints Arena up to that point. So to have that happen, and then of course to be followed up in two games by the Benino goal was just fantastic. You mentioned that Niskanen game. Uh, I remember that game because I was at that game because that was the game Crosby got hurt. We were losing two to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, two to nothing going late into the third. We scored twice very quickly to put it into overtime, uh, which we lost in overtime to TJ Oshie. But yeah, that that game I remember. I forget what the next game was though. I forget exactly what happened. I think we won it though. We won the next game when Crosby was out. Okay, but yeah, no the the Niskanen game I remember because I was at with my brother because I that's the game I the I had won the free tickets for. Mhm. Yeah. A lot of great memories between 2016 and 2017. So nice to run down memory lane there. Obviously, the Benuno goal does. It's like a trump card for the 2016 playoffs. So that's why I didn't want to play it. But Horwat, any last words before we let the folks go for the first time this week? Uh, We gave you guys a long one this week. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Gave you guys a long one. Uh, You missed out on Thursday. So we're here Monday with a extra special long one, if you will. A lot of fun stuff, man. This team is hurt to hell and back, but we're looking good doing it looking really good doing it next foot in front of the other next man up mentality it has been working for the pittsburgh penguins we will see you guys on thursday thank you so much for tuning in let's go pens let's finish off this hopeful sweep against the new york islanders and then walk into td garden and take down the big bad bruins we'll see you guys on thursday you can follow us on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick underscore berlansky You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. 
we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.